All right. It is time for me to make a recording. It has been quite some time. Um, and so I'm making it a priority. That means you got to listen to me right now. I'm putting my phone someplace where it can sit. And then you're going to have to endure me going through loading my wood stove. And then we will move out. And I have I did a season of podcasts, whatever a season is. And uh, now I have decided... Um, to resume and so get a night out in the snow it's not extremely cold yet although there's every indicator that it is going to be extremely cold fairly fairly soon um, so the reason why I decided it is time for me to, to resume podcasting is because of a fairly new idea that I need to sort of untangle. The best way I know for untangling ideas is to, is to embody them um, but one of the, one of the steps to embodiment, I think, is articulation. Um, no, maybe there's one more step. If first you take an idea and you... You think it, but that thinking is pretty amorphous. So you, it's it's hard to know what you have thought and what you haven't thought until you transfer that thought into words. I'm reaching into the oven like the witch in Hansel and Gretel to throw logs on the fire um, so might be a bit awkward not good listening so I guess the idea is the first thing you would do would be to you think an idea but then you move that idea into articulation to force force yourself to think about it more carefully, to, to take the thought and then put the thought into words, but then that thought being put into words, oh, I just tipped over a whole section of my wood pile. Then the, the whole idea of turning that thought into words 
if that becomes as far as you go, then you have been careless, okay? But if you can take the words and then find a way to embody it, or maybe sometimes, I don't know, maybe sometimes you embody it first and then extract the words to help you figure out what it is that you're doing. I don't know, but I have found that I really like this format to embody, to, to, to articulate ideas, and uh, some of them are. So what's the idea that I'm considering tonight? Well, if you think about all of the ways, um, all of the ways that humans have discussed the idea of transcendence. Um, sometimes it is um, the idea. It, it's that there there are dimensions which we know, and long before people sort of had the idea of the objective-subjective divide, they still knew that there is a, there's, there's a dimension. Um, you know, people, people conceptualize heaven, um, the heavens, as heaven. But I don't think even in the early days that they saw that as a place to which you would journey if you could go up. It, it, it wasn't, I don't think, um, it would, to, to believe that would require that people were vastly different. And I don't think that that's a good idea. Um, we may have increased our knowledge base. We may be able to consider ideas that our ancestors wouldn't. But I think if you start to believe that you are, um, that you are a different form of thinker is just an excuse to ignore history. And uh, people want that excuse. But I, I, I don't see any way that, if you say, well, people back then didn't think like I think today, then none of the lessons of history can, can really be accurately applied to you. It gives you permission to disdain everything. Now, how far that reaches, I would say that there are definitely some things that we conceptualize um, differently than our ancestors did. Um, but I'm, I'm again, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that that with every improvement we don't embrace a bunch of mistakes. Um, which would lead me down a rabbit trail that I'm not going to go down. So, 
where where we encounter this um, this idea of transcendence, I don't think people thought of it as go up in the sky far enough and suddenly poof, you're in heaven. Um, I, I think a very undeveloped kid, uh, I, I already had the idea that if it's up there, why can't I see it? Um, and, and then you would have all sorts of things. I, I just, what I'm saying is I think people have viewed heaven as a crossing out of this dimension. The, the dimension in which we are bounded um, that, that what what people have particularly in religion been talking about for for as as old as humans are is talking about some form of transcendence and and they've described it so um, the Christian uh, the modern Christian idea is a uh, rather frustrating to me idea that somehow you get to go to heaven and you like everything and everything you just live forever and are happy forever. And I think it's really poorly examined. I do not think that living forever um, has any as much power as a as a concept. I think not dying. Um, so the fear of death may may be a pretty strong motivator because you don't know what death is, and so um, it, it feels like your consciousness matters in some form. It feels like that to me, and the idea that that I would. Um, die and that would just go away and that all that I had been meant nothing I think is pretty frightening and, and so there's a there's an idea of heaven being a place where you can go live forever and so on that side that may be appealing but the moment you look at it as what would you do forever? It it pretty it pretty soon pales, and so so the Christian idea of heaven being some paradise, some eternal paradise, um, I would say takes a whole lot of faith that that there could be a place worth being forever, and. It's interesting, and, and I'm going to circle back to this, but if you were to, to believe that, I, I think pretty much anyone with even a, a rudimentary analysis of saying, okay, you get to go someplace, live there forever. What would it be that would make that not hell? And I think the answer is, what would make that not hell is having something meaningful. And, and so, you know, a, a concept, even the Christian concept of this 
this beautiful paradise where you can linger um, is um, it, it, it swerves into it, it needs to be meaningful there has to be something to do now we're, that's the center of what I want to talk about but I didn't expect to swerve into it this soon well, let's go there. So, so the idea is that we have this concept of transcendence. And what I was doing was, was sort of characterizing that as, in, in the Christian tradition, this, this blissful place where we don't have to die, but, but then it sort of infers that we have something to do once we're there that would make it heaven and not hell. Um, but the a, a countering idea, I would say, is is in Eastern religion the the idea of transcendence in the form of nirvana, and uh, what is nirvana? Well. I, I think that I am not the guy to answer that in its, in its religious context. But the question which the idea of nirvana answers, I think, is, is simply a question of what happens then. And that what happens then is that you transcend what it is that in this life most, most binds you. And so, it, it is, there, there's all sorts of ways in which you get set free from that. But one, one is sort of like the idea in Buddhism that, that you could become someone who doesn't wish that life was other than it is. And... Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, the, the question that I'm actively considering now is how does that not become nihilism? So if, if in Buddhism you say, hey, chances are that your, your life is going to be full of pain and the task of Buddhism is to become a person who doesn't wish that life were other than it is. And so you become the person who says, yes, even this ought... The, the moment you say it ought to be, then you, then you put onto the universe some ability to ought something, some ability to, to direct something, and I think that wouldn't be so much their emphasis. But I don't know exactly how to say it other than that way. Well, I, I go back to what I said, so that you would become someone who doesn't wish that the universe is other than it is. So, so that would imply that you have the ability to accept life as it is. And, and when that is completely the case, then you are set free. But it's interesting that even there, that, that being set free is, is the concept of transcendence. That, that they don't spend a lot of time describing what it's like once you leave this world as we know it. 
and and so the idea of nirvana gets alternately alternately interpreted as nothingness or maybe maybe on the other side everything you know it, it's it is a dimension about which we don't know and so it avoids making the mistake that the Christians made, which is saying, oh, you get to go to this really nice place and live there forever, which immediately prompts the question, well, what do we do forever? And how is that not hell? To go someplace and have to do something forever. To have every everything you love until you no longer love it. I, which, which would not be a bad question to ask you know it's like okay you can have your favorite food every day it's like well then pretty soon I will have no favorite foods I will have had all of them so much that they will not be uh, you know it's like it's like maybe I won't have favorite foods unless some days I have to have lima beans and stuffed peppers um, I'm just poking fun at uh, ah, they aren't something either those aren't something that I like um, okay so so the the East, if Eastern religion does something wise, it is like stop talking about the transcendence as if you can know something about it. But it does transcend. And I, I've clumped Christianity and Eastern religion into two groups. And, and so, so roughly that that I, I don't mind if you cringe at the thought of it. Um, but the, but the, the issue is that there seems to be a longing for transcendence. So what is transcendence? What's an example of it? Well, we can make it super complex. And we could try to, I mean, follow, we, we would end up falling pretty much any time we describe it. We would fall into the trap of, of, of the only way of being able to describe it is, is to bring it into the context of the concepts that we have right now, which are not transcendent. So, so the whole point would be you couldn't describe what is transcendent in the language of non-transcendence. And, and so we'd be constantly stuck. And, and so in that sense, it does seem that the idea of a nirvana, that you have no business in asking what it's like, is, is maybe a safer um, path than to to go to Islam and describe 70 virgins or, or whatever sorts of things. And, and I'm, I'm sure that that's not across all of Islam, but the idea that, that you could know what the reward is, that heaven has something 
something of this world's pleasures that make it pleasurable there or the christian idea just as just as slanderous but you know that you sit on a cloud strumming a golden harp and it's like it's just ridiculous so so i i think maybe i'm i mean have a, a little bit more willingness to say all right good on you um the the people who say don't don't get hung up trying to figure out what it is just accept that somehow you are into a different realm so why is this idea of transcendence pretty widespread um and and then you add to the the idea of transcendence so I, I think um, at, at least the hallucinogenic kind of drugs, um, you know, it, it's it. There is also there the feeling that somehow maybe what happens to me is is a different realm. This idea of transcendence. So, so we have this this pretty widespread concept of transcendence across human experience across human um, literature and, and, and whatnot the idea that there is some some direction you go and and at in some way you reach a level that is takes you outside the level you're currently in why would that be common And, and for many people, the idea would be, well, the religious people make up this idea and sell you on the idea of pie in the sky by and by. And, and they say, and, we, and it just so happens that we are going to give you extreme unction. We're going to be the gatekeeper um, to your final breath. And so don't forget that because you better treat us well. Otherwise, we might deny you the chance to be transcended and it's like I, I can't buy that the 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 craving for some knowledge of the transcendent had to predate somebody declaring that they were an expert I mean I it, it's it's like a it's like somebody getting their doctorate. They tell you what the doctrine is in. And you didn't even know it existed. You know, some tiny slice of some science in you. You think, okay, I didn't, I didn't know that that was. I mean, they can trot out their doctoral, um, their doctorate degree, and they can post it on the wall, but you're, it's just like, I'm sorry, you're having a doctorate in... You know, I, I was going to try to make up something. Like Having your doctor in some minute area of some branch of something doesn't create the demand for it. The demand has to pre-exist. Now, it doesn't have to in the academic world, but 
But in terms of anybody, in anybody giving that person some credibility for that degree, the demand had to predate that. When when I, when somebody has the doctor of you know of chiropractic medicine on their wall, I'm interested because my back hurts. That's that's a that's the order in which things occur. So if somebody said I am an expert on the transcendent. They, I, I just, I cannot accept that they made up the idea of transcendence, sold people on it just so that they could be experts at it. I think the idea of transcendence was there to begin with. Now, people have made a, made a, a lot of, at least Christians, I, I would wouldn't be surprised if it's in other religions, but but in Christianity there's there's this idea there's this God-shaped vacuum in every man, and uh, then they argue that that the the Christian conception is the missing puzzle piece, and I actually believe it is, but I don't believe it's anything like that simple what i what i think is more the case is that all men long for the tra transcendent and and they look for that transcendence and they look for the the mode of existence that will take them into that transcendent so there's there's two things there's there's the conceptualization of the transcendent, and then there's the embodiment of the transcendent. And and so what most of religion seems to be is people discussing the conceptual conceptualization of the transcendent. How are we going to imagine this transcendent in, in such a way um, that, that we could have some idea because you already know it's there. And then second is how, how would you embody it? How would you choose a transcendent life? But it still doesn't answer why do we think that there is a transcendent? And so the idea of this, that there's this, you know, I won't say God-shaped vacuum, but this transcendent gap in your life is one idea. So that, that we all know we're missing a puzzle piece and we, we crave to have it filled. And so we're out there looking for what will fill this puzzle piece. That's one conceptualization. And it is... The conceptualization that I grew up with, so I'm most familiar with it, and I would say that that my up till now, I, I've kind of assumed that that's what I was seeing. Um, I would see people who knew something was missing, but didn't know what it was. 
I think there's a better conceptualization. So if you were to just ask, why do people believe in the transcendent? I would say it is because they have experienced it. And, and by that, I do not mean that they've had some, some uh, supernatural monkey business going on. Although I'm surprised at how many people have. I'm constantly surprised. Um, well, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of my um, thinking has been molded by my time in the jail watching the men talking to them and you know what maybe they aren't the highest educated but they, but they definitely aren't coming from a concept of some sort of of hard and fast moral rule and I find that many 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 the, the preponderance of the people that I have talked to have had some inexplicable phenomena and uh, I am surprised that I am surprised just while we're on the topic um, I'm surprised at how many people have had some sort of UFO kind of experience and never told anyone um you, you swerve it many years later. They, they'd like, yeah, I, I never figured it out. It was the oddest thing. You know, I was driving, some light came over my car, shut off, and, you know, or, um, so, <laughs> why did I get into that? Just because my mind goes strange places. That is not what I'm talking about, an experience of the transcendent. What I'm talking about is something that you have had happen to you. It has happened to me. Not as a result of some disciplined pursuit of a religion or, or, or some inspirational um, indwelling of some higher spirit, well, maybe it is, but not in the normal conception of that. When have you experienced the transcendent? Well, to me, it seems like it happens all the time. And what we call it is meaningfulness. When something is meaningful to you, what happens? I mean, what do we even need, mean when we say meaningful? Well. Here's a, here's a division that I have started to make that probably led me to this idea. And, and I encourage you to at least think about it now. There is meaningful... Let's, let's make a differentiation between meaningful and important. Um, meaningful things are... The best way I could put it is self-evidently meaningful. I have a friend. He takes out his guitar to play along. We're going to sing some songs together. He takes out his guitar, and man, you just about can't get him to put it back down again. 
Um, we will play for a while and sing, and then if, if, I mean, he will just go on playing guitar. Why? Well, it started out with playing guitar being important. It was about fitting in with us. We had a, something to practice or, or some purpose. But then it continued simply because it was self-evidently meaningful. We have those sorts of experiences in our life. Experiences which are self-evidently meaningful. I mean, you can walk to get somewhere or you can take a walk. Now, when you do something important, it is, it is meaningful, but it's not meaningful in that same self-evidently self-evident form, okay? It's like meaningful because it answers a problem. It is meaningful to eat because you need to eat, otherwise you get hungry. So, so that's, that is important. But when you get into something that is self-evidently meaningful, you forget to eat. You forget how long it takes. You, you get into something that is self-evidently meaningful and you forget the things that normally bother you. You, you, you think and you enjoy. You, you, you have this, this whole series of behaviors that surround you. And because they are meaningful, no, I can't even say because they're meaningful, you forget about time and hunger and sleep and whatnot. But it's, it's like that's what it means. That's what meaningfulness means. And what is that other than transcendence. You stepped out of the world that held you with all of these things that hold you and you you broke free from those chains and, and you broke free into this this other world of meaningfulness. So what if in every situation where you were talking about the idea of transcendence, you inserted the concept of meaningfulness? So for me, as a Christian, what is transcendence? The transcendent life that is ahead for, for, the, for the followers of Christ is promised the idea of heaven. Okay, so, so heaven is, it is a word that we use to describe the transcendence. 
and then we can go to whatever lengths or avoid whatever but but that's what it is it, it is transcendent and by its very language um, it is described as a place that can't be described no I have seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what awaits for them it, it, the, the best conceptualization of the transcendent is that it, it cannot be conceived of. But, what if we did that? What if we said, okay, this is the transcendent. We have promised a transcendent life. Now, there's an interesting there's an interesting thing that Jesus says, up, says to us about that transcendent life. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so that has been conformed to the conception that there's a bunch of treats waiting for you in heaven. And if you're good here, then there'll be more treats waiting for you. But because you have those treats forever, they will never, that you, they'll just gradually become less and less meaningful or less, less and less enjoyable to you. You'll tell someday your heaven becomes your hell. I think, I can't, I, I have trouble escaping that idea. But, when he says, lay up for yourselves treasure, and there's an, a variety of other passages. I, I don't want to go into this at all like a Bible study. I, I want to think the idea through, and then maybe it would be useful to go back and look at all the places. But, but what is... Imagine that you are put into a place where none of the stressors, none of the things which were important to you are important anymore. So what's important? Well, it, it is, you know, eating something, having, having a, a place, protection from the cold, these simple bodily things. They're important because if you don't attend to them, um, then you're dead and you got nothing. So, so we have a, but what happens when you get to a place where there are none of those things? You are left with only what is self-evidently meaningful. I mean, the, the, the reason I started thinking about this was because of conceptualizing what went on when Moses led the children of Israel out into the desert. Takes a whole nation out, says, hey, come with me. We're going to go to a place where you will have enough food, but it will be bland and uninteresting to you, which would eventually happen with any dish. Um, you're going to have bland, uninteresting food, but enough of it so you don't go hungry. You are going to have no, no resources and no ability to carry resources. So you can't be making stuff and selling stuff and whatever. 
you are going to go and have everything you need and nothing else. Wow, what a difficult, difficult place to find what is meaningful. And, and, and as I thought about that, it seems that what happens is, is the only thing that was meaningful for people was to argue. And, and then there was a, a bit of a difficulty because their arguments led to them needing to have a, a referee. And so Moses got drawn into being the referee. But, but that, that leads me to a, a, a very different direction. But I don't want to go there right now. What I, what I want to talk about is that I suddenly look at who's going to be equipped to go out into the desert. Well, it's, it's somebody who has found what is self-evidently meaningful. Well, what about heaven? Well, without something which is self-evidently meaningful, it doesn't seem like you can conceive of a heaven that isn't indistinguishable from a hell. It is if you can conceive of something which is in which you can transcend that you could find a home in a place that is transcendent it's interesting that one of the descriptions of the of the christian concept of heaven includes that there is an endless music going on and they never stop singing. And, and it's, it's like, it is singing for a musician that, that sort of gives you a taste of that transcendence. You lose yourself. And in that transcendence, um, you, 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 can, you can go on. Not everybody, but I can, think of, I can think of times when I have enjoyed that. So, so what am I saying? I'm not saying anything. What am I proposing? What I'm proposing is the business of figuring out what is truly meaningful is probably the most important thing you can do. And distinguishing between what is meaningful and what is important and figuring out how to put what is important behind what is meaningful. Choosing to to Choosing to seek meaningfulness rather than importance is both the way to begin to transcend the limitations of this life 
and is the preparation for the possibility that transcendence is a reality. So, which is it? Is it that in finding something meaningful, you begin to 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 have moments of uh, when you transcend? Yeah, that's probably part of it. But if if there is some sense that certainly in Christianity that if you put things together in the right way that you will become that, that some other power will lift you out of this world and place you in the transcendent and and I don't want to argue which because I, I don't I don't think it's first of all I don't think it's useful. So you, you could say, well, if you could keep on transcending, eventually you could you could transcend on your own. And so if you are someone who is fully transcendent and and there comes to the, the question of then what happens to your to your consciousness, but you, let's, let's just say you achieve a transcendent consciousness in this world, in which case whatever consciousness was would not mind losing your body. Your body would be optional to that. Okay, that's, that's one idea. The other idea is that some power will take you and place you into that transcendent. To a certain extent, there's a, there's sort of a, that that is your destiny to be transcendent. And, and you could, you could possibly make the argument that if you haven't laid up any treasures for yourself, if you have treated for your whole life, if you have, if you have habituated yourself to the idea that if, only what is important matters, then if you got elevated to the transcendent, your transcendent would have nothing but meaninglessness. And, and therefore, it could be conceived of as that is the hell. The hell is to have endless life with no ability to have meaning. <laughs> I'd say that's a pretty good description of hell. But what is this all to say? What, what I'm saying, and I'm saying it with maybe more confidence than I ever have before, seek, learn what is self-evidently meaningful. Don't look to other people. They can't tell you. They can't tell you what will be meaningful. I can't tell you. I can tell you when I lose myself. When is it that I don't notice how long it is or how cold it is or how hungry I am? I can tell you that, but that is not for you. The, the responsibility of humans to figure out what is meaningful. I do not 
think it is possible to overstate the importance of that. Is it the pathway to transcendence? Possibly. Is it the preparation for the inevitable ascension to a transcendent world? Possibly. I don't know. Or is it a pretty darn good way to prioritize your life? I'm pretty sure it is that. I will tell you that I don't think that there is a better way A, a, a better motive. I don't think there's a better motive. It's not a method. Okay? I think the method I've talked about many times before. The method is intentionality. Be intentional. But I would say that the the the, the, the goal that you should be shooting for is meaningfulness. And it's a goal that you can learn about it from other people, but they cannot, they, they cannot tell you what it is. It is the question which you have to answer. And I think you need to take that seriously. And I hope that this talk has uh, has given you that that question, and that you find an answer. I'm done walking, but happy trails to you. Have a good night. <laughs>